Welcome everybody to the Plainly Queer podcast and welcome to the penultimate episode of this season. We are going to be going on a little break until the new year. And... We're going on strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for better conditions. Yeah, we're like the writers in Hollywood. We're going on strike. <laughs> Solidarity. Exactly. We have no association, but we're going to jump on that bandwagon. And yeah. listen, until we get more listeners and advertisers to pay for our lavish queer lifestyles, it's just, yeah, we're on it's strike. It's just the way it's going to have to be. Yeah. yeah. So you'll have to tune in to our last episode to see how that's going to go for us. <laughs> or not, after what I've just said, they might not yeah, yeah. as well. We'll be uh, cancelled. Exactly. Yeah. No, there is no lavish queer lifestyles here. We're very, still mostly plainly queer. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I. I would normally agree with you that my lifestyle is not lavish, mm. but the latest, my latest, like last few weeks, have been very lavish esque. Bougie. I have been. Are you living a bougie lifestyle? Sort of. Yeah. Mm. Like it's one of those things where you're in it and you're like, oh, I, I didn't plan that, but I'm not going to ignore it. And so, I mean, I've been in Spain the last few weeks and where I've been staying, the place I landed in, and they had a, like a cultural festival going on, like a four day cultural festival with like an opening ceremony with fireworks that were just bloody amazing. A closing ceremony again, with more fireworks that actually set a fire. Uh, And luckily enough, they were prepared for it because obviously the place is like tinder dry. (laughs) like there was this big huge uproar at the end of the um, ceremony and it was because there was a fire off to the left of where the uh, fireworks were set and loads of people came running out of nowhere with like stuff to put it out and a big cheer again when they put it out I was like I'm not sure in the middle of like a drought of where we were staying as well that that's probably the best idea having like no word of a lie, 11 minutes I pressed record recording the uh, show and it was 11 minutes of full on fireworks for the closing show it was quite amazing but yeah my 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 last when i arrived it was four days of concerts four days of art four days of food there was a tapas tour of this village i'm staying in followed by three months of forest fires <laughs> while yeah, yeah. oh what caused this <laughs> i know it's like one of those things where you read in like america they're like we were doing a gender reveal party and like we thought everything was fine so they set up a load of fireworks in the middle of a forest and like nothing could go wrong they had it organized they had people specifically for if the place goes on fire go put it out so firemen so, yeah. i well i don't i couldn't see them Our but there was people. loads of Fire people, yeah. Oh, fire um, person. But yeah, so that I would say that's pretty bougie. I would say that's pretty lavish. Now, it was a three, like the festival is called the Three Cultures Festival, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the uh, Arab Islamic, Shepherdic Jewish, and Christian culture. So I'm not going to say there was a whole lot of the LGBTQA community there. There was one uh, couple that I saw walking down one of the streets holding hands two guys and i was like oh and then i was like oh please mind yourself just a heads up though just a part of the muslim tradition would be male friends hold hands so that could also have been that. they were english oh okay no, i was gonna say because yeah. i went to i visited istanbul with one of my exes and the two of us were just frolicking around istanbul holding hands because it's part of their culture that it's part the, of their culture the wow. men will just walk around really holding nice. hands I was quite tanned at the time, so we passed, I suppose, as being from that region. So there you go. 
Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, they'd hold hands. The men in Muslim religions and stuff like that, Arabic countries would uh, hold hands. I love that. That's really nice. So what's going on with you? There's my bougie um, queer lifestyle. I just have a picture like that's bougie. It's like it's like you were traveling on an airplane in economy, but you disembarked and you had to walk through business and you got a sense <laughs> of what it was, but just for like two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like, something on the other side. Yeah, you've seen an unopened amenity kit from business class and you just like took it on your way out of the plane. Yeah, yeah. This is my I'm going to go like sk- skate this all the way again. Yeah, I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I know I'm good. So I suppose what's your I suppose before you come off that, you're living mm-hmm. your new sense of bougie, artistic Renaissance life in the Spanish oh, hillsides. Yeah. yeah. So what's your overall feeling? Oh I love it. I love it. I've gotten a place here. I'm not I'm never leaving. So yeah. It's really, really nice. I can't yeah. somewhere to visit, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next episode, maybe we'll record from here. Well, next year, we'll record from here. We'll do a whole episode on, I don't know, queer lifestyle in, in Freelani and see what it's like. Yeah, let's see how the Wi-Fi is for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm re- I really like it here. It's re- If you can imagine the Greek towns where it's like painted white and the blue and that, it's mm-hmm. very similar to that in, in the now obviously Spanish style, but in luck, it's those white villages. So it's really, really nice. Yeah. Oh, I'd highly recommend it. Really nice. And if you can go to that festival thing, that was like, that was just such fun. Like there was, um, and dancing in the streets, everybody was like having a, a whatever culture, cultural dancing and expression with your body. Every now and then you'd be walking through a street and somebody would start dancing and music would play up and they'd just start walking down the street or dancing down the street, which was really cool. So it spoiled me for the rest of the year because they don't have any other festivals and they pulled me in and I was like, okay, I'm never leaving. Then and there's nothing else boring. to do for the yeah, rest yeah, of the year. Boring for the rest of the year. Like, I made a mistake. <laughs> Pulling your hair out. Yeah. Uh, what's there to do around here? <laughs> Go to the beach. Oh, is the beach near? It's about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's doable. You can see it from uh, the village. Like You can see the sea from the village. Nice. You get that fresh sea breeze. Mm, possibly, yeah. I also had a taste of the Spanish. Do tell us. Yeah. Do tell us. I went down to Lanzarote, the bougie lifestyle down in Lanzarote. Good old Lanzo. Good old Lanzo. It was only for four nights and there was absolutely no culture experience whatsoever. What Um, was your experience? Oh, I literally, two friends were down there for a week. So I said, I actually surprised them on the flight because they were like, come down for a few nights if you have a few days off. And I was like, him and Han. And then I was like, I haven't had a proper summer holiday. So I'll head down. And so I surprised them on the flight. And that was great. They didn't know you were on the flight? No. Now I surprised them at the gate. It's actually such a funny story, right? So I am all like Mission Impossible incognito at the airport trying to get through undetected (laughs) without them seeing me. And so I got through security, found out what gate I was going. I knew they'd be in the pub having a couple of pre-flight drinks. So I avoided that area and went down and found the dingiest, most random place to wait in the airport. So obviously I found a corner dark corner of this place and it was over by the toilets I was you like you in a dark corner by no. the toilets 
<laughs> anyway, so I was like, I, they won't see me here. So I was sitting in the corner, grand, mind my own business. I had the Starbucks Frappuccino, enjoying life, saying, mm-hmm. this is going to be a great surprise when I get on yeah. the plane and whatever. And the next minute, the two of them walk out of the dingy toilets. Oh, so, no. Yeah, I, I obviously missed them going in. And they came out. And <laughs> the, the first one didn't clock me. So Emma didn't clock me. And then, but Elaine behind, like, looked me in the eye for a second. And then looked away. And then looked like, again. Her brain was like, like Her brain was processing what was going on. And I tried to duck down behind my suitcase, but I nearly fell off the seat. So then I was, I was, I was like, no, I'm made now. But like it was so because Emma just kept walking and Elaine like had that second of like that's you oh my god it's you but I went shush 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 let's have a surprise so we said this all non-verbally to each other yeah yeah so she kept to herself and I still got to surprise one of them but yeah <laughs> no matter what like the most random place and they still found me but I did well up to then but yeah, yeah. sorry. That's really cool. It was a great few days. This, you can never plan things. Like, wait, yeah. You can never plan nice things because it never goes to plan. And then the flight was delayed an hour. And then, sure, I because I was going to surprise her on the plane. But then they announced the hour today. And I was like, I need a drink. So I was like, <laughs> let's just surprise her at the gate so yeah. we can have a couple of glasses of Prosecco. So, no, it was a lovely time. Weather was lovely and everything like that. So, yeah, listen, Lanzo is... It's Did like, you get up to anything? No, just nights out, done a little bit of bingo, couple of drinks, nice dinners, and just spoiling yourself. Beach during the day, the beach was lovely by the pool. The resort was, listen, it wasn't down that amazing, but we had to actually move out of the first room because the toilet clogged on the second day. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, it was disgusting. It came up through the bath. It was like, do you ever see the, yeah, do you ever see the Inbetweeners movie where they're in that kind oh, of, yeah. Now, listen, it they gave us an awful room to start with and yeah, it just got worse. So they moved just to a nicer room on the after the second night when the incident happened. But yeah, the pool <laughs> the rest of the time was lovely. <laughs> but that's typical package holiday type thing. Yeah. Anyway. You get what you're given. It's you just a room to lay your head down. Yeah, exactly. But the pool area was nice and like that with last night we did the drag show, like drag cabaret thing. That was really good fun. So yeah, it's just about yeah, being not at home, I suppose, but still not being too out of your comfort zone. That kind of thing. So yeah, it was nice. It's nice you were able to go with your friends as well. Yeah, it's just about reconnecting as well and having a bit of crack. Yeah, it was it was nice. But then you get home and sometimes you're even more exhausted when you get home from these things. Absolutely. You, know? you need a holiday to recover from your holiday. Yeah. And then you're God, is there any point in go- why do you go on a holiday? I don't know how people do it with families. You know, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. the God, That's remember- not a holiday for parents. That is yeah. not a holiday for parents. I think it's a holiday it- for the kids, nobody else. I think it's always though, like you think it's going to be something different. Like you, you ex- hope. Yeah, you're hoping that it's going to be this relaxing zen experience but like in relation to flights and everything that's going on these days your delays your cancellations your wildfires your volcanoes erupting your global pandemics i mean you throw all that shit into the mix and it's an anxiety overload Gosh, you know? it's a tough life traveling isn't it it's really <laughs> really tough to travel these days like who would want to do Too that bad. but we still do it we still do it because we want that sense of just something different i suppose and that little bit yeah. of excitement to be somewhere different in the world is always nice that but is yeah, true and no- it's the sun 
Yeah, but it's quite sunny here as well. I burnt to bits. And I was wearing Factor 50. I was lashing it on, like, and I still burnt. Um... How long do you sit out in the sun? You like, see... Would you sit out all day? No, I'd only do a few hours. And I'd need to be in the pool, I like, the majority of the time. Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I can do maybe 20, well. I can't 30 do, Yeah, I can't do direct sunlight. Yeah. That's, that's too intense. I do the nice shade or something like that. But no, it was a pleasant experience. I enjoyed it. We are in the second to last episode and one more episode. And then you'll say goodbye to us for a few months till, till next year. How will they cope? How will they cope? <laughs> How will the, you cope? I'm, I'm sensing uh, people will cope pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be okay without us. Will we be all right? It's like when therapy comes to an end. You have a sense that you've found, you started therapy and then you get this sense that you found within yourself that thing that you were looking for when you went to therapy. So you mm-hmm. no longer need therapy. So maybe that's what, well, well, and then after a three month break, you realize, oh no, I need to go back to therapy. I actually do need therapy. <laughs> so that's yeah. where season two will come in very handy. Yeah, yeah. We'll be ready for you when you're ready. <laughs> exactly. We are always here for you. <laughs> Except for the next three or so ever, how many months. Of a yes, penultimate yes. episode. It's sad face. We'll do the last episode. We'll get our lives together, basically. <laughs> I mean, figure I out. I say that every year, but like every week, but like anyway. It's like, can we put into practice everything we've explored in this series? Like, can we? Our last episode. What did we learn from this season? Yeah. What do we want to carry forward? I still yeah. feel like I'm a mess. But does anybody you know... not feel like they're a mess? No, genuine question. <sighs> like. Everybody's just like, I'm looking at the other people. They look like they have it all together. They know how to adult. And I'm here going, what? How, mm. how are we supposed to know all these things? Well, Cloda, memes on Instagram <laughs> would inform me that no. In fact, people don't have it all together. Nobody has it all together. <laughs> Nobody That's has it all together. Point. That's yeah. what the memes tell me on Instagram anyway. That yeah. I'm not alone. So memes don't lie. Nope, definitely not. Yeah. They are the zeitgeist. Is that the right word? The zeitgeist of what's going on in the world at the moment. That's a fancy word. Yeah, I don't even know if it's in the right context. Yeah. I'm not sure. But who's to know? Um, who's to know? I'll Google it know. after this, and if it's correct context, it'll stay in. If not, it's coming out. No, I think you should leave it in anyway. No, yeah. no, one, no one will know. What are we talking about today? I believe you are going to question me in yes. relation to sex and relationship therapy. Yes. Yes, I am. Okay, so I have a few questions. So give me two seconds. I'm going to get it up here. Oh, my God. This uh, is amazing. I didn't actually... You went to the trouble of doing questions. I've I've done these questions probably over, like, at least five different times now. So... Because I also want to sound smart when I'm doing this. Of course. <laughs> we are intellectual individuals. But do you well, yeah. something, something about me, and I always say this to people, and I just... It's the way I operate. I love questions. I love being asked questions and I feel comfortable being questioned as opposed to having an unstructured conversation, even though I do well in the unstructured conversations. You love throwing in an, an episode of like, we're just going to see where it takes us. We're just going to see where it takes us. And I'm like, please, Paul, please yeah. just give us a topic, anything. I think the difference is when I'm the focus, I like to have the questions because it gives me direction and keeps me centered. So I think that's just me. Okay. So okay. I love, and that's how I do on dates as well. If I'm ever on date and I'm like, I'm one of these people that will 
like what's your let's let's ask each other questions so we'd ask questions yeah. back and forth to get to know each other like and like i'm one That's of those called a didactic approach is it yeah the didactic oh. approach to therapy or sorry well, Freudian <laughs> relationship. <laughs> God help your day. <laughs> what does your mother think of? Oh, daddy issues. Okay, right. We're talking about uh, sex and relationship therapy. So what exactly is sex and relationship therapy? And also, how does it differ for the LGBTQIA community? The Lejibidiqua or the eligibility community as it's now called these days. Oh, Did you hear that on? The eligibility. eligibility. Yeah, somebody tried to say LGBTQIA and they went the eligibility community. I was like, that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. And then somebody was just like stitching, going, yeah, I'm eligible. I'm eligible for everything. Go for it. I was like, okay. <laughs> so what exactly is sex and relationship therapy? So I suppose I am a fully qualified pre-accredited psychotherapist. But I decided to go on and specialize in sex and relationship therapy. So I'm currently enrolled in my sex and relationship therapy training. And I've just started seeing psychosexual presentations in clinical practice, which is amazing. So yeah, I'm in that world now. I think at the start, I think we tried to do this episode before, but it was very much, I'd literally just started into the work. I think we were two, three weeks in. Yeah, so it was very, now, listen, I'm not a fountain of knowledge now either, but I'm a, li- I'm a, I'm a little bit of a solid foundation that my interventions and the knowledge comes from, but it's a fascinating I have a question like, straight off. Oh my God, you said there, you, have, you are now getting psychosexual presentations, so like correct. psychosexual clients. What are psychosexual presentations? What are psychosexual presentations? Well, I suppose... Psychosexual presentations are in relation to anything to do with the mind, psychosexual, and sec- your your sexual functioning, you as a mm-hmm. sexual being. I mean, the regular counselling and psychotherapy, mm-hmm. and I don't know from your experience, my experience, and I think, like I'd say the majority experience is that people don't bring their sexual selves into the space. And that's probably due to, especially I'd say in Ireland, due to sexual repression over the centuries and the decades and just sex being shamed and hidden. And so I think it's very much to bring the sexual self into the space. And then, of course, you're dealing with the biopsychosocial side of it, which is like your environment, your physical health and your mental health, because Mm. they all play a part. Yeah. That would be very comprehensive. Oh, very comprehensive. And it's very, in a way, practical. It's very Mm. tangible. It's very there. It's very present. These things can be seen, can be experienced. They're not elusive things. Like what's your goal in therapy? They're very, it's obtainable to understand your sexual self because we're all sexual beings. Very true. Very true. Can I ask then, okay, so I was going to ask what exactly sex and relationship therapy is, uh, but also uh, part of that question was going to ask was, how does it differ for the LGBTQIA community? How does it differ? Well, I suppose, of course, obviously, there are different issues faced by the uh, queer community uh, in regards to shame, in regards to discrimination, oppression, the stigma out there, like there's all this sort of stuff so how does it differ i i don't want to i don't want to separate the two i don't want to alienate one from the other like the heteronormative from the queer i mean they are different they are obviously different 
but I think under the psychosexual umbrella, all the same issues are there fundamentally. So it's just how, again, the environment affects it, the physical self affects it, and yeah, the mental self. So again, it goes back to the biopsychosocial. And I know yeah. how, how is it different from for queer individuals? I would ask you the same question. How is psychotherapy and counselling different for queer individuals? It's the exact same reason. Uh, because there are minorities, because it's dealing with oppressed minorities and you have to be aware of those. It's intersectionality at the end of the day. It's the same therapy, but you're more as a therapist aware of intersectionality and what's going on there in relation to race, culture, religion, sexuality, gender, all that stuff. And for different individuals, it will intersect in different ways. I think it's all about intersection. Yeah. Okay, so then my next question, and it depends on whether because you, you you just said you don't want to separate it out. So, but why is it important to seek out therapists who are queer affirming or knowledgeable about queer or trans specific issues, especially when it comes to sex and relationship therapy? I will give the reason I sought out a queer therapist, someone who's gone through the same experience. I think it's 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 it puts someone at ease. I think to know that you don't have to go into a space and explain yourself or to explain your existence or to have to educate someone about your existence or your experience as being the person you are. So I think for me, in engaging with a queer therapist or a queer affirming therapist, it just puts me at ease that I don't have to explain the basics of what it is to be queer in this world or what I've gone through as a queer individual because this person has a sense of that. So I can get straight to the issues, explain what what my daily lived experience is as me, not as my sexuality. Okay, so what then is the difference between couples counselling and uh, you call it intimate partner counselling? Why is it not couples counselling? Well, there are so many different types of relationships out there um these days so it's important i suppose to move away from the more traditional couples relationship model and go towards a more an intimate partner model because some people maybe choose not to engage in monogamy and keep their remain solo individuals but like have multiple sexual partners so you have to really take into account those different dynamics that are going on out there and to give space to all of those experiences, not just to monogamous couples, because everyone, regardless of their relationship status or uh, like how they engage in romantic and sexual relationships, they all deserve a space if Mm -hmm. they're going through a, a period of distress or wanting to work through things. They all deserve space to talk through that and work through that. And have their experience validated as well and normalized and to take the yeah. shame out of all this stuff as well. That's a yeah. big thing in relation to psychosexual therapy and the queer community. It's taking the shame out of all of it and just de-shaming it, depathologizing it, and just taking it as like the human experience that the client is going through and just normalizing that. I love it the way you said the pathology depathologizing it um, mm. because a lot of the queer community have been pathologizing especially when it comes to sex they're sex addicts they're perverted they're all of these are horrible why we need to move away from it is because individuals are realizing that there are 
other alternatives to monogamy in relation mm -hmm. to consensual non-monogamy or open relationships. And what is consensual non-monogamy? So consensual non-monogamy is when you're romantically involved with multiple people. So mm -hmm. multiple individuals, but all individuals are aware of each other and all individuals consent to the relationship dynamic that is happening. Now, these can take many forms. There's mm -hmm. many different kinds of, I see it as energy. I like to see it as like there's sexual energy and romantic energy and these all go between one person and another and then one person to another person and yeah, I like to see it that way. Just a flow between multiple people and, and multiple just, experiences. Just to be clear on this as well, you're not talking about everybody in the relationship getting together and having a, a hoodie or anything like that. Everybody has a separate relationship. Yeah, this isn't a sensate orgy. It's yeah. to fix, although if you want to have a, an orgy, go for it. As long as it's very consensual. <laughs> Yeah, These so, are the dynamics that need to be talked about, though, isn't it? Going, if you want to have an orgy, okay, how do you have an orgy safely? What is the dynamic within you that could come up that could be activated or triggered that might cause pain, might cause, or you realize might cause incredible joy, but are shamed because it's not seen as okay between friends, family, whoever, or just society. Yeah. So a couple who are thinking about this, they would possibly go to yourself and say, listen, this is where we're at. This is what we're thinking about doing, but we want to, we want to ground ourselves in this and make sure that both of us really understand as individuals, but as a couple, what that means. So like it's, it's, it's coming to therapy to figure that out a transition in our relationship. That would, that is like an adult thing to do. That is yeah. like the ultimate adult thing to do. Let's sit down and you don't even need to come to therapy to do it, but listen, therapy is a great place to do it because it's a neutral space. Yeah. So therapy is all, it's this neutral space. To, let's sit down at the table. Let's talk through this. What are your motivations for this? Uh, and it's to ensure that the other individual knows that it's not saying that they're not good enough. It's not saying yeah. that they're not all that the other person needs. You, there's a risk that another individual will take it up in a way that I'm not good enough. So yeah. it's just ensuring that both individuals know that yeah, they are enough for each other, but they have so much more to offer. Yeah. And they can offer it to each other and they can offer it to other people as well. And why not open up that experience with others, but in a consensual yeah. way, in a yeah. way that is open, honest, and with good self-awareness and awareness of what's going on, how it's affecting and because let's face it, like we all get jealous. We are we're all like, this one thing is mine. And mm. if I share this thing with someone else, that person could take that something from me. There's all these things that play out, all these dynamics play out. So you really do have to be careful, but why not? I mean, break <laughs> down what we like. But then there's the other, I'm going to go down black hole. Uh, well, there's the other thing that like, I'd be quite, I'd be quite okay in my own company. I'm like, a bit of a nomad or whatever like that. And I'd like to think I'm okay on my own. But if you mm -hmm. think about it, we've never been alone. Like as soon mm -hmm. as we are born into this world, we immediately start to relate to mm -hmm. our birth person in relation to that nurturing relationship. That's instantaneous. That happens straight away in the majority of cases. Yeah. And so we've never been alone. So as you go through life, you're always looking for that secure connection. You're always looking for that safe, relationship that you had as soon as you were born you're 
always longing for that, wanting that, and need, feeling safe in that. So all that, How all is that those challenge then when you go into a more open relationship. What I'm thinking in my mind is going, I'm living by a rule. My whole life I've been told it's one person, it's one person, it's one person. And then you realize that I have this great connection with somebody. I have this great uh, life with them, but there is something. We know that there is something and one of the partners brings, why don't we try open, as you say, uh, consensual non-monogamy. Mm -hmm. And then that person is said, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. So my whole life, it's to be one person. I've been connected from one person. As you say, I've started to relate in the world and also society has told me it's, it's one person. But it's dealing with that, I suppose, in therapy and, and working through what my, my rules are to go, actually, that's actually not what I feel. It's what I've been told my whole life. But I can figure it out through therapy. Would that be fair? That would be fair. And you're like, yeah, I've been told this and this is what I feel I need. Is it really going to fill your needs? Is it mm. really going to, what part of you is it playing to? What insecurities is it easing? What, like all these things can be explored. And, and also as well, I'm not to supposed to feel that way. Yeah. I'm shame and guilt is huge. And in, in, we're only two minutes out of Catholic Ireland. We're still very much Catholic Ireland. So uh, society is saying, well, you're, you just want your cake and you want to eat it too, or you're just being greedy or oh, insert whatever you want there. It's a huge thing to overcome when it's actually just between the two of you. Well, it, whoever else comes in. It's enormous. Enormous. Because then if feelings are developed for other individuals that are involved, then mm. this whole thing of like, okay, the jealousy can come in and all these things can come in. So there needs to be such good awareness around that. And yeah, good communication. Like the, the I suppose, bedrock of relationships is communication, yeah. compromise and acceptance. And yeah. you can get those three, you're doing pretty good. So yeah, it's not... Sounds like therapy is needed. Like it, it is a bit of a minefield. Like if you can be adults and sit down and figure all this out, great. Having having that neutral party, as you say, will be quite good to figure that out. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. It's it's not easy. And because we're we're trying to undo so much stuff that has been put into us. I know we've discussed this in previous episodes. Like so much of what we should do has been put into us. And trying to overcome that or go against that is difficult, very difficult. So it's really brave, actually, for the individuals that do want to explore this and be freely giving of that energy that they have, that romantic energy that they have, that sexual energy that they have, and wanting to share that with others and just live a fulfilled life. Not saying that, of course, you can't do that in monogamy. Of course you can. But just don't judge. It's not the only option. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, I have a question then for you. Go. Uh, what advice would you give to couples from different cultural uh, backgrounds? Uh, that's like they trace specific challenges to their identities through their cultures. So anyone okay. considering considering uh, opening up their relationship, or even just within a relationship, an intimate partner relationship, how the different cultures can, the rules that they should be living by. How that can affect them? What advice would you give to them? Just create your own blueprint. Like mm. you've been given a blueprint for how it should should be. This word is coming up again. Should what yeah. it should be? 
but why don't you write your own blueprint for what it could be, what you want as an adult in the here and now. You're making your choices. But you see, when you bring in, you've just mentioned they're from different cultures and different mm-hmm. religions. And unfortunately, you then have to take into what I touched on earlier, that biopsychosocial aspect of it. So this individual or these individuals may be in an environment where they have no choice to explore yeah. those things. They have they are in danger if they choose to explore these aspects of themselves that they'd like to explore. And that's that's the same in relation to religion, culture and sexuality and gender expression. Like sometimes it's dangerous for individuals to explore that um, in their environments that they're in. So I don't think there's an easy answer to that question. I mm. And it's easy for me to say like, oh, just create your own blueprint. But what if they're in if a it's really safe un- to do yeah, so? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's safe to do so. And yeah, that would be my answer to that. Blueprint. Okay. Right. Yeah. Very Create straight your own blueprint. Because it's not <laughs> as straightforward as in practice, unfortunately. If only yeah. it was. Yeah, but I'm sure there are some people listening, living in Ireland from different cultures and they're going, that's us. We're trying to fit the molds, but like they're not our molds. So how do we break exactly the mold? What you, yeah, exactly. Make your own molds. Okay. Okay. How we've touched on this. How can therapy help individuals embracing their sexuality, especially when faced with societal stigma and internalized shame? I think we've covered that like yeah. throughout all our episodes. That's very true, actually. Yeah. I suppose let's like I I'm going to come away from your questions. <laughs> I'm going to Go first. I'm going to speak to more specifics in relation to psychosexual therapy. And the physical things that can be out there. And I suppose this would be in relation to low desire. These are the main things you see, is it? Exactly, yeah. So a lack of desire or a low desire to even engage in sex. And then you'd have issues such as unreliable erection, premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation then for female are these on a psychological level or on a physical level what way do you 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 see this is where the biopsychosocial thing comes in and you really have to explore all aspects of the individual in relation to okay have you checked in with your gp what are hormone levels like and this is in relation to female bodied individuals as well as male bodied individuals vaginismus is another one in relation to painful penetration for female individuals And so there's a lot of physical aspects in there that also come into the space. So that's where psychosexual really differs from psychotherapy in relation to that physical aspect of the self coming into the space and how that impacts then and can cause anxiety. And yeah, they all intersect there in the space. So it's like an investigation, investigating all those aspects. And Yeah. yeah. I I get excited talking about it because it really is, it is amazing to help people through these things that are so shamed everywhere else. I don't think people know that they can go to therapy for these things. It's like, oh, well, this is just something either I have to live with or it's a doctor's thing. And if there's no physical thing, then that's it. I just, I'm never to have sex again or I'm never to Mm. enjoy sex again. So you find a way to explore all of the avenues and uh, is it the ultimate goal that they will be able to enjoy sex again or enjoy their function, I suppose? That's it, sexual functioning. Mm. And some people like will come to therapy and they will have no desire to engage in sex and they'll come to therapy 
to want to be able to engage in sex. Mm-hmm. And that's where you explore, okay, let's go back. Let's explore what has been your experience of sex. And that's where asexuality could come into the space. Yeah. And that's where psychoeducation comes in. And you can't, if someone doesn't have a desire to have sex, you can't make, you can't instill within them a desire to have sex. Maybe there sort is of no like a desire sexual to have conversion sex. therapy you're talking about. Yeah, which there. is totally legal. It's immoral. It's unethical. You yeah. cannot do that. But the individual is trying to fight against everything that's expected of them. Mm. And that's where you really have to give them the space to explore that aspect of self. Because, yeah, there is our sexual selves, but some individuals don't have sexual selves. Yeah. It's more emotive for them. And yeah, that's, that's okay as well. So it's recognizing that as well. I feel like there's a, like, if I could say like a theme so far in these questions and, and what coming out of them is so many expectations placed on the individual. Mm-hmm. And they're coming in, one, to recognize and two, to shed and go, actually, this is me. This is what I want. This is us. This is how we want it. This is really getting to know themselves rather than society having told them, this is your script. This is how you do it. Yeah, because like anxiety would be, and stress is a major influence as well in relation to psychosexual uh, presentations. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in the case of like unreliable erections and if an individual presented with being unable to maintain erection, exploring that and going, okay, so from a biological stance, say, can you masturbate in solo sex and maintain an erection? Yes. Okay. And do you wake up with erections in the morning? Say, it's like, yes. Okay. So this then is not physical, it's mm. mental. And so it's breaking it down like that and then going to look at well where are you in the moment when that happens oh Mm. i'm really stressed i'm filled with anxiety i I need to perform i need to make my partner feel better i need to make them feel wanted there's this expectation in relation to that placed on individuals and i suppose in that sense there's you really have to explain okay so you're losing your erection because you're experiencing anxiety and that's understandable because your anxiety is your fight or flight and of course, you're not going to want to have sex in a situation yeah. where you think it's you're wanting to get out of there. A biological yeah. level, it's going to take all the blood away anyway. There's that. There's the sexual excitation system, which is it, it is our it's like our our gas pedal for ex- excitement and desire gets everything going. And then there's the sexual inhibition system, which is the brake pedal, and it'll mm-hmm. full stop, emergency stop, and everything is going to shut down. Because if you break it down to primitive levels in that situation, say there's caveman and a cave woman and they're having sex and all of a sudden there's a saber-toothed tiger behind the bush. Yeah. They're not going to keep having sex. Their systems are going to shut down and say, to survive, I need to get yeah. out of here. Your blood needs to go to your legs to run now. Exactly. And so there's all that primitive stuff that comes in there and it's all unconscious. Uh, Does that, that would... help even that, that psychoeducational piece around going, okay, just let, let's look at this, as you say, on the primitive level, going, mm. of course, that makes complete sense. It's not that you can't or won't or don't want to or whatever, but there is a real like stress level here that coming into play. Does Ex- that help even just knowing that? Well, I'd like to think it would help for someone. So, I mean, it is the, it, it is the reality of the situation. Yeah. But I think some people, some people think it's a problem with them. 
but it's, that's what I mean. Like it's know, not, it's not me. I'm broken. I'm bad. I'm yeah, bitter and that. The word that, you know. the word that's coming up for me is normalizing. It's normalizing it. Yeah. It's like saying, yeah. well, this actually makes sense. Of course, I'm not going to be able to maintain an erection if I'm in that fight or flight and the parasympathetic nervous system has been activated and my brain is unconsciously telling me I'm in danger. You're not mm-hmm. going to want to engage in sex. So it's all connected. It's all, yeah. And it's just about exploring that and normalizing that and saying, okay, let's look at ways to make you feel safer in that moment. How, yeah, like, you how know, to meet the moment. Exactly. And how to be safe and with communication with your partner. And yeah, it's just about normalizing it in the space like that, making an individual feel safe in the space as well. I think that's really mm. important. I think the sexual self of the individual is so neglected in mm. terms of just anywhere. It's all, if you have a sexual self, it's it's to yourself and, and don't share it with anybody or don't acknowledge it in any way. Mm. And to have that come into a therapy space where one, it is created to be a safe space, hopefully. And that also to allow a partner into that space to fully understand each other about what's happening in our relationship in terms of the sex like that is so powerful and it creates i would imagine huge intimacy then because the trust that is involved with setting out that conversation setting out the oh i i I know i I didn't realize that was going on to you okay let's work together on this Mm. figure it out it's huge it's totally healing the amount of like the expectation that's on individuals these days, the pressure on people to mm. succeed. There's so much in our brain. And sometimes it's hard to switch that off when we engage in intimate relations with people. And yeah. if you are not in the moment, if you're thinking ahead to what's to come next or what's the expectation in relation to this, and like you really have to be in the moment in relation to having sex because. If you're not in the moment, you can't enjoy it. And sex should be pleasurable. It should be enjoyable. Yeah. And you have to be in the moment to feel that. And so it's about like that, making the person, I suppose, more present and to get the joy, to get the pleasure, if they consent to doing so, of course, and if there's a mm-hmm. desire to engage in that activity. Okay. What's one thing you were shocked to learn from your training? Oh, one thing I was shocked to learn. Oh, shocked to learn. Well, that's a curveball. I was I shocked mm. to learn? I Maybe think, shocked is too strong a word. Yeah, I think I was surprised yeah. about how, I think I was surprised about how normal it would be to explore these aspects with people in relation to just exploring sex and these issues and normalizing them. And I think I was surprised how, how empowering that was how privileged I felt to be able to enable that realization for people or to, like you say, give people the psychoeducation or the information to make them feel like it's not me. I'm not broken. I I don't need to be fixed right here. It's just, yeah, about about feeling safe in the moment thing. So I think that's, yeah, I don't think anything shocked me per se. I think it was more so I was surprised about how, yeah, how empowering it can be, how de-shaming it can be, and how how great it feels to normalize all this. I feel 
privileged to be able to offer a space that like is judgment free shame free and just normalizes all this and humanizes all this and even if that's a space where there's no desire to engage with any sexual activity and being okay with that and accepting that and ensuring Mm -hmm. that you are not forced into any situation you don't want to be in in relation to that yeah there's all that going on god that's a great answer beautiful yeah, what clear. what is one thing then that you wish people did know about sex and relationship therapy just to engage with this i want people to know that it's okay to bring that sexual self it's okay to give that sexual self attention it's okay to give that aspect of yourself space to be validated and understood and communicate with it and to understand it fully and to to get to know yourself all aspects of yourself mm. it's like yeah i don't want to experience... sounds empowering yeah it's like how it's like a missing piece it's like bringing a missing piece into the jigsaw and just saying this is a part of me and it may be a part that people are maybe not so willing to bring into mainstream counseling and psychotherapy Mm -hmm. but it's like when you say why would you go to a queer therapist Mm. like what's the difference between going to a normal therapist and a queer therapist and it's that it's knowing that in the queer affirming space they'll get it they'll understand it i can talk about my erection i can talk about my vagina and i can talk about all this all these things that are relevant to me and that are my lived human sexual experience and not feel judged or shamed and to have it normalized to understand it and talk through it and yeah i'm rambling no that's bad do you have anything else you wanted to say that and perhaps a question i didn't ask that you would have liked to have been asked not particularly i hope i've done it justice because i do think it yeah i do think it's something that is a great thing to explore and it yeah, I think it's necessary as well. I think it's a necessary branch of counseling and psychotherapy to have yeah. and for people to be able to link in with. And yeah, I just... just You can definitely tell you're passionate about it anyway and you care deeply. We, we all have erotic selves. And I think yeah. how... And the word is fulfilled. Like to live a fulfilled life. What is... In all aspects. In all say. aspects. What is that? Like, so you have to ask yourself, yeah. Is is this is is this something that I could be more focused on, and will it bring more pleasure and joy in my life? And if it could, why not embrace it and understand it a bit more? It sounds bad. It sounds well, we should all be going to kind of an individual to talk to a sexual relationship therapist and go. I just want to sort myself out and figure out who I am. Oh my god! Of course, this that like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. like psychosexual presentations, especially in relation to physical issues that are affecting sexual functioning that mm. would be the majority individual solo presentations so okay. i feel yeah. like i just asked from like a an intimate partner a couple of sort of few questions there so i just wanted to confirm that individuals do go no of course i mean some of the best sex you'll have is with yourself so i mean <laughs> Very good. Very yeah. true. <laughs> so yeah, of course, uh, exploring that is is even better. And it doesn't, of course, have to be with sex. There are other aspects: sexuality, gender, and desire. Just figuring out what maybe you want. Well, like 
what you you mentioned what about what if two individuals wanted to open on their relationship mm. and go down the consensual non-monogamous route but how amazing for an individual to come into therapy and explore okay i've had some relationships they haven't worked out I haven't got haven't got my needs met, so maybe I'll explore in therapy what I do need and want from a relationship, and yeah. maybe explore that for myself, and then maybe I can communicate that to any potential partners in the future and see what they think about it. So to understand yeah. it myself fully, what I want and need from a relationship, so I can communicate it to any potential partners in the future. Fab, probably I need that. That's what I need to go say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mates rates. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. Just don't say anything on the pod, please. <laughs> okay, I think we've covered it all there. That was that that was really good. I really appreciate you being put in the spotlight and answering those questions because I I'm not trained in this. I haven't a clue. I knew what like couples therapy per se, as in inverted commas, but like it really does open it up even further. Sex and intimate partner therapy really does open it up to the individual who they are, even who they are in terms of who they are in a relationship. And um, so, Fab, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. It's I hope I did it justice. I feel like I didn't, but I think that's just because there is so much to communicate, and you can't communicate at all in this space. Um, I'm going to open it up then. If anybody has questions or anybody wants to ask us anything, you can email us at plainlyqueer at gmail.com and we can answer them in the next episode. Yes, of course. And if you would like to link in to psychosexual relationship therapy, feel free to get in touch. Plug, plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug. (laughs) Udutherapy at gmail.com or via Inside Matters. I'm on the Inside Matters website as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Do you do you have any lingering questions actually? Is there any do you have any about the questions that you had done for me? But is there anything yeah, in your mind now at the end of it? I don't think so. I think you covered you covered a lot in that. I, I, I suppose I did do some research coming into this because I wanted to make sure that I didn't sound like an absolute joke. Like so, I did. No, no. But I, I I suppose I was learning along the way, but it's so broad. That's what I really loved about it. And I think the point that you really brought in, and that's what I love, is that bring it all in. Bring your whole self in. And Mm. it's figureoutable without shame. Any of those shame pieces that are coming in, we're going to peel them back and throw them back out the door because they're of no use to you. And anything that allows you to be yourself more fully, uh, I'm all onto that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, of course. And it is, I suppose, the main thing to come away with is what's the difference between psychotherapy and psychosexual therapy? It would be more so that biopsychosocial approach where it's body, mind and environment. So those three things come more into the space in relation to psychosexual um, therapy. That would be the main point. Interesting. Well, Mm. I hope I hope everybody beats down your door. Hopefully I'll be there to answer it. (laughs) <laughs> very good okay folks that is that is that is the end of our penultimate episode so last episode to come i felt like that was less of a discussion episode and more of a questioning episode for me it I, was. That, I know you were in the hot seat it felt strange <laughs> yeah. yeah well it wasn't me going to be answering the questions i knew nothing about it well I'm like a very basic underscoring of, of information but you you expanded my mind Thank you very much, Cloda, and thank you very much, everyone, for listening, as always, to the Plainly Queer podcast. 
We will put everything in the show notes because I obviously didn't frame it very well in my mind. I know I did. And I say I didn't. But yes, thank you for listening. Thank you, Clodagh, for questioning me and interrogating me. And you do very well in the CIA. Very good. That's my next job. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.